And so I want to take you to the book of Psalm, Psalm 18, Psalm 18, please, if you would, Psalm 18. We'll be reading verses 28 through 33, Psalms 18, verses 28 through 33. And if, uh, when, you, when you arrive there to the scripture, would you mind standing where you're at? And we'll read the, the scripture together here. Um, I think it's just a few, few verses of the Bible, and I think we can read it together since you've been sit for, sitting for a while. I think it'd be good to stand and just read a few scriptures together. Verses 28 all the way to 33. If you'd help me read this scripture out loud, I would appreciate it, and we'll get right to it this uh, moment. The Bible says this in verse 28, reading out loud all together. For thou wilt light my candle, the Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. For by thee I have run through a troop, and by my God have I leaped over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in him. For who is God save the Lord? Or who is a rock save our God? It is God that girdeth me strength and maketh my way perfect. Verse 33, last verse. He maketh my feet like hind's feet and setteth me up higher places. Let's say a word of prayer and ask God to help us this moment. Father, please continue to work in our hearts as you have already begun to do so since last night. What powerful truths and what powerful messages we've already heard. Honest, Lord, if all we've received was just last night alone, would have been enough for this trip, for this conference. Father, yet this morning already you're speaking to us and Please use the message once more, your word. Help the young people to pay attention on purpose with a desire to hear from you and a desire to change. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Sometimes in life, young people, we build walls within our hearts, strongholds we believe will somehow keep us from getting hurt But in reality, they serve as an entrapment that keep us as prisoners. Behind the rubble that comes by ways of hurts and bad decisions, people we love make, circumstances beyond our control. They create rubble in our life that create these walls that really need to be demolished and removed. Walls come down in two ways. Either an external force that reduces them to a pile of rubble, or the one who builds them takes them down from the inside. Joshua and the people of Israel fought the battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. God's mighty power can not only destroy the actual walls around a city, but it can also tear down the emotional walls we build around our hearts. Walls keep distance between us and those we love the most. Walls hide who we really are and keep us from living the life we were meant to live. Walls keep us from growing spiritually and keep us in dark places, as we read in verse number 28, when David, David said, For thou will light my candle, the Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. David expressed something here that it would do us very good to learn. He said, very simply, 
By my God have I leaped over a wall. Now, no doubt in David's military career, he had leaped over quite a bit of walls. In battle, I'm sure he faced some literal walls. But I believe as he writes this psalm in the day that God had given him victory from Saul, in a day that he was rejoicing that God had liberated him, he was reflecting upon his life up until this moment of, metaphorically speaking, those walls that he had to surpass or leap over in his life. David most certainly had several walls he had to leap over in his life. Walls that God helped him to leap over in order to get, to get him where God wanted him to get in his life. Since he was a young man, David saw many hurts and suffered many painful experiences. All he ever wanted was just to shepherd his father's lambs. He didn't ask to be king. He didn't look to be king. He didn't look to be in the military or fight battles for a king or for any cause, but other than just be obedient to his father. He could have easily closed up and built walls within his heart and simply said no to God's will. Simply said no to that great door that was open of opportunity to his life. But thank God he leaped over the walls in his life. God does not intend for us to live behind walls in our hearts. He intended for us to live liberated lives in his perfect will. He came to free us. He came to heal the brokenhearted, to mend our wounds. You see, this was his, his calling, his ministry, part of not only going to the cross of Calvary, but he, he so, so emphatically stated Isaiah chapter 61, when he began his ministry, the Lord Jesus did. And he spoke his purpose, he spoke his ministry, and he said, I've come to liberate the captives, to help those that are wounded, to, to, to set free those that are captive. You see, because many times you and I can live on the outside with these beautiful walls that protect us, that we bring out and, and so beautifully design and, and protect, because that's the image we want everyone to see from us. We, we, ex, we excel in that area of showing others what, what we want them to see in our lives. We, we know how to talk in front of people. We know how to, how to reply and answer even in public. We know what to do in public and what not to do because we don't want to create too much attention to our life. And yet we want to be part of what's going on. But yet at the same time, many of us don't want to be noticed. I don't know all the complexity on that, but one thing I do know is that it's very easy in our lives to create walls and barriers within our own hearts. And there's nothing worse than to be a prisoner of your own devices. Things that you have allowed to happen in your life that keep you shut in, that make it difficult for you to enjoy Christian life. They make you difficult to hear God's word. They make, you dif make it difficult for you to, to obey the simple things, the things that God wants you to do, how your parents desire things from your life and they, with so much uh, genuine love and care for your life, 
guide you to, to those ways. And sometimes we rebel against things that make no sense to rebel against. And we know our parents love us and we know they want the best of us for us, but we find ourselves fighting things that have no purpose to fight. There's no purpose. There's no reason. And some of us can't even figure that on our, ourselves out by ourselves. We can't figure our own lives out. We know there's something wrong with me because I don't have an appetite for the things that I should have an appetite. We understand that there's something wrong inside me because I don't respond to, to emotional moments. I don't cry about sad things. I don't laugh about funny things. I, uh, there's something about me I can't get, but we continue to live inside those walls that we've created, and we think that that is the safest place to be, but that is the worst place to be. You see, David had to had to profess here in this simple passage, simple verse, he expressed something that I, that, I, that I think really, if we capture it this morning and through this week, we will understand that sometimes, yes, it's the devil calling us into such places and, 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 and these, these, uh, these terrible uh, places where he controls our life, but sometimes it's not the devil, it's our own, it's our own menace, it's our own mind that, that creates these walls and these barriers that keep those that love us the most out, keep God out and keep uh, possibilities and opportunities. We, we, we almost on purpose reject everything. And sometimes I'm afraid that maybe it's not the devil so much, but it's us. It's us. We're, we're victims of our own Sorrows, our own bitterness, victims of our own victimizations. We victimize ourselves. We complain. We find ourselves with so many blessings in our life, yet at the same time, we can't see the blessings. We can't enjoy the blessings that God has given us. We're in a wonderful church that God has you. It's a pastor that loves you enough to bring you to youth conference, youth pastors, leaders that have taken their time away from their, their life and responsibilities to come with you a week. We, fun time, things, so, many, so much has gone into preparation for this week, so much sacrifice, people giving aggressively, people making time in their life just to make it possible for you to be here. But yes, somehow you find a way to be grumpy, you find a way to be sorrowful, and you're there not enjoying this week, and all you care about is what you're doing with your friend and what you're doing. You're here, but you're not here because you're in a Facebook or in an Instagram and in a fictitious life out there that you've created, and you love the social media because it allows you to, 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 uh, to create this, this world, the fake world that people only see what you put, the, put out there for them to see of you. And you love the pretend world. And that's why it seems like when you go enter into that world, into those walls that you created, you, they're all instantaneously, you have a joy about you. You get excited. And I see young people, they, they smile more at their, at their phone than they do in life. 
They laugh more to imaginary friends and text messages and pictures that they do with their loved ones, with their parents that are trying to crack a joke because they're too old to even say a joke. And, 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 but, but we can't even find a way to laugh with them and enjoy those dinner uh, uh, moments around mom and dad or, or gra maybe grandma or grandpa or, or those that we love because we're so secluded. We're so, uh, we become prisoners of, a, uh, of this world, this fictitious world that we we've created. And that's why I think social media is so powerful. Because we pretend to be something that we really aren't. We make sure that every picture is picture perfect. And every moment is, is, is a moment that others would crave or desire that we, they would have as well. We make sure that they only catch us smiling and, and our, on our good side we, we, we pretend to, to enjoy what we're doing and we pretend to love our sibling or, or that one bus kid that we want to take a picture just so everybody can know that I'm in the bus ministry. And we want to take a picture in that little moment that we have with, with uh, so on and so forth. And look, I'm here with my, with my mom or I'm here with my dad. And, and we put on a fake smile. But where are those smiles on a day-to-day -day basis? Where is that joy on a night-to-night -night basis? Where is that young girl that shows so many in the whole world and all, all those friends and followers that you're just on top of the world, but yet in reality, you're in the dark places and world and valleys that no one else is there but yourself. You see, David had to leap over some walls in his life. He had to leap over some walls that unless the Lord helped him, he would never get to the place. You see, he only lived about 70 years of life, and that's because God gave him that extra time. He asked God, because he, he found himself so many times in trouble, and he said, Lord, unless you help me, unless you extend the life of, my, of, my, of, of me and myself, I'll never get to the place where you want me to get to. And it seemed like study the life of David, there's so many walls he had to climb. And get over. I think of the first wall, the wall of fear. It was David said in Psalm 56, verses 2 and 3, Mine enemies would swallow me up, for they be many that fight against me, O thou most high. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Since the very beginning of time, Fear has been a barrier between man and God. Since the moment Adam and Eve sinned, the first thing they did because of fear is they hid from God. At least they pretended to hide from God. David faced his fears when those lions and bears came for the sheep. When he faced Goliath on that battlefield, he had to leap over the wall of fear. Abraham, Abraham went into Egypt because of fear of famine. The children of Israel wandered and died in the wilderness because of fear of possessing the promised land, that it was too great of a task. God does not want us to be governed by fear. 2 Timothy chapter number 1, verse 7, the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's only given us a spirit of power, of, sound, of love, and a sound mind. He's given us the things that will help us to get over those walls when we face fear. He didn't give us something that will keep us down. He gave us the things that we will need to have success against the difficulties in life, the the betrayal, the bitterness, the, the things that happen in life because of life. And he's given us those things in Proverbs 29, verse 25. The Bible says, the fear of man bringeth a snare. You see, fear will place us where we never want to be. It will 
take us away from us, uh, it will take away from us more than we ever want to give up, and it will turn us into someone we never want to become. God said it this way, fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. The wall of fear of what may come, of pleasing others, of not fulfilling others' expectations, of what others can do to, uh, to us, and, and, and ending up alone in life, of being hurt, of failure, of what I am and what my skin color is and how my last name is pronounced and, and where, where I come from or if I'm poor or if I have too much or maybe uh, where, where we come, whatever. All these complexities, all these, all these things that keep us locked up, keep us behind walls and, and making us fear. Uh, for us to be who God wants us to be. The wall of fear of what may come. God helped David in his moment of fears. He helped him to leap over that wall of fear. The Bible says, for there is no fear in love, for perfect love Casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. You see, if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves living within these walls of fear. <laughs> and there's nothing worse than just being scared of your own shadow, of things that are happening in your world, in your life, that God has allowed. Maybe your parents have gone through some difficulties. Maybe your family has gone through some struggles. Maybe some things that happen in your own life that you're ashamed of. Maybe you're not as talented as the next person or as the next young lady. Maybe you don't have all the possibilities and all the opportunities somebody else has and you've used it instead of allowing you to motivate you and strive and believe more in your God. You've used it. You've allowed it to be used in your life to keep you down, to keep you back, uh, for you not to believe that God can use your life, that you not to believe that God can do something great with your life and you're governed by fear and that is the worst place that you can be in. God helped David also with the, wall, with the wall of forgiveness. David had to face a lot of hurt early on in his life. His own father almost forgot him when they came to look for a king. His older brother mocked him and belittled him on the day on the battlefield. King Saul hated him and wanted to kill him when all David ever wanted to do was bless the king and help the king. On that day, in that cave, he could have killed him and everyone would have understood David. But the Bible says he forgave the king. Forgiveness is not for the other person, it's for our own self. If we release the offender from our hearts, we will leap over the walls of unforgiveness and not be trapped in bitterness and suffering on the inside. You see, the one that offended us, the one that hurt us, goes on with life and forgets even the event most times, won't even remember that he offended or she offended you or hurt you. Things that you could care less of their decisions and their, and their actions, and they, they don't know that it was their decision to leave home. It was their decision to betray dad or betray 
betray mom or, or steal that or take that. It was their decision, but they don't think, and they're not even thinking that that hurts you, but it's you that carry on that, that person with your life. And everywhere you go and everywhere what you want to do in life, you're carrying that person along with you, imprisoned in the walls or within the walls of unforgiveness. We are commanded to forgive others as God has forgiven us. He chooses never to remember our sins and transgressions. He forsook our sins, the Bible says. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, the Bible says, And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You see, many of us don't stand a chance because you want to continue in life. You have unforgiveness in your heart. You stir, you're still bitter at your dad and your mom. You're still bitter at someone, some leader, some pastor, some youth pastor that offended you, that maybe was not who they were supposed to be in your life and maybe hurt you some way. And you're carrying that in your heart. And then you go on in life and maybe, just maybe God will be good enough to allow you to get married and find someone that you love. And what's going to happen is you're going to bring that someone you love into the world of hurt inside your own walls of fear of of unforgiveness and now that person is captive as well as you not understanding why what's going on with my husband what's going on with my wife why can't we have joy why do we keep facing these obstacles and these walls and keep getting hurt is because you did not want to forgive when you had the opportunity to do so and you brought them in your own world and there's a lot of marriages, a lot of homes living within those walls of unforgiveness, and they don't even have a clue what happened. Because someone in that marriage decided not to forgive. You see, David could have destroyed the opportunity of ever becoming king had he not forgiven the king when he had the opportunity to do so. You see, it was justifiable in the eyes of all the other men. They said, yeah, the Lord brought him to you. Kill him. This is your opportunity. Belittle him. Embarrass him. Shame him. Do what you've got to do. Take advantage. God is opening this door to destroy the king. And David said, how can I do this to the king? And he humbled himself, even called himself a dog. And said, what am I for you to be chasing me? It's almost like I can hear David say, all I've ever done is love you. And you're trying to hurt me and, 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 and kill me. But he said, I've forgiven thee. How, who have you not forgiven this morning? Who are you holding a grudge and you're justifying it in your heart and your life? And you create this beautiful wall that you call safety, but in reality, it's a wall of unforgiveness. It's a reminder of bitterness. It's a reminder of pain. It's a reminder of hurt. And every time you look at that, you, you shy away and you, you try and rebel. You try and do things that you know are wrong. You try, and that's why people fall into uh, wicked and sins like drugs and abuse and, and all these other uh, uh, things that we're going to talk about this week because they find themselves trying to deal, I'm sorry, trying to avoid um, dealing with the things that they've created in their own life. See, some young people here that have already changed the channel. They don't want to hear because you know to be true that you are inside those walls of unforgiveness. I had to forgive as a young man. I had to learn how to forgive. And I think, honest 
To be honest with you, that I would not be here today had I not forgiven when I had to forgive. Who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to let go? Who do you need to release from your life? That one person that keeps coming out in precious moments of your life, in moments that should be moments of joy and happiness, maybe a graduation, maybe a vacation, maybe a celebration of a sort, or maybe a, a special moment, that same person that hurt you many years ago, or that one person that did you harm, keeps coming out of that tunnel and keeps claiming his property. He keeps claiming his place in your life, and he comes out and he claims it, and he shows himself, and you can't forget that person. You can't forgive that person, and he keeps claiming that one place that you've built in your life as his property, as his reach in your life, as his control, as her control, until you forgive, until you forgive, and Say, Lord, help me to leap over this wall of forgiveness, Lord. Help me forgive my mom. Help me to forgive my dad. Help me to forgive my brother, my sister that betrayed me. Help me to forgive, Lord. And help me to forget, Lord. Help me, Lord. Then, then and only God will help you leap over that wall. And you'll never have to look back again. Quickly, the wall of betrayal. They say betrayal is a dish best served cold. It hurts more than anything else. If you've ever been betrayed, you understand. Absalom, his son, had betrayed him. We can take the betrayal of just about anyone, but to be betrayed by those we most love and trust. <laughs> it's interesting what David said in Psalm 55, 12. I'll read it quickly. He says, for it was not an enemy that reproached me. Then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that... Hated me that did magnify himself against me, then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man mine equal, my guide and my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked into the house of God in company. This was a beautiful psalm, prophetic uh, towards the betrayal of Judas in Jesus' life. But how difficult it is, how hard and difficult it is to, to suffer betrayal. Absalom betrayed his father. Somehow David, after running and hiding from his own son, dethroned and ridiculed his own um, father. And, and at his end of his road, when David was tired of running, when David was exhausted of running from his own son, he says this in Psalm 61 verse 2. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, that means brokenhearted, lead me to the rock. That is higher than I, for thou hast been a shelter for me and strong tower from the enemy. You see, in a moment of brokenness, of betrayal, of his own son coming after him, he understood that he was sinking in a hole of, 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 of unforgiveness, of, of, of betrayal. And he said, Lord, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Lord, help them leap over the wall of betrayal. Who has betrayed you? I remember the day my dad had to leave our home. I remember the day I had to ask my dad to leave the home because my mother asked me to deal with my dad. And I was the youngest of four, and at that moment I felt it was unfair. Why do I have to tell him? I love my dad. He's not a perfect dad, but why do I have to be the one to tell him to leave? And I had to go to him and say, Dad, my mom wants you to leave. 
For the sake of peace, for the sake of, of just peace here in this home, would you please leave? And I remember, never forget the day because my dad looked at me in a way that I'd never seen him look at me with his eyes swollen and red in tears and looked at me. He said, I can't believe my son is telling me to leave my home. And he walked out of his home, out of his home, and he walked out with his stuff, and he went to his car, and I remember, scared to death, but I opened and creaked open the, the curtain on the second level of the apartment, and I looked over just to see if he was leaving in his car, and I remember he put his luggage in the back of his, his, his station wagon, and just before he closed the door, he looked up, and he saw me. And I remember hiding, closing the curtain. Because I was mad at him, and I was mad at my mom, that they were putting me in that position. And I had to let go. I had to tell my dad, Dad, you need to leave. You see, I felt betrayed that day. Because I was put in a place that I should have never been. Because the two parents that were imperfect, they were not saved. They were just following their emotions and what they thought they needed to do. Never mind the emotions of their son. And I'm not bitter now. I'm not saying this in, a, in the light of bitter towards them. I'm trying to tell you that betrayal comes in many ways and many colors. Sometimes a spiritual leader will betray us. Someone that you love, someone that you trusted, someone that you hope to, to be an influence in your life will turn around or maybe fall into sin or maybe betray your trust and maybe say something he shouldn't or she shouldn't say and do something in your life and you feel betrayed and you feel like maybe I should walk away, maybe I should leave everything because if I can't trust these leaders, then who can I trust? Let me remind you that we can trust God today. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, the Bible says. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. Sometimes we will suffer broken hearts from those we most love. But we must draw strength from our fortress, which is our Lord, and leap over those walls. I'll close with this. The wall of discouragement. After facing a great loss and pain, Seeing innocent people in Siklag die at the hands of the enemies. Feeling like he failed them and the people wanted to stone him to death because of it. David, after crying until he had no more tears to cry. The Bible says he said these words. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. You see, in life we will face many discouraging moments Great failures, letdowns, people we trust will fail, will disappoint us. Those we trusted the most to be there for us will fail us. We uh, when we most needed them to be there for us, they didn't come, they didn't show up, they didn't care enough to be there. But the Bible tells us not to be weary in well-doing. Half the battle is won by just staying encouraged. David encouraged himself in the Lord. God helped him leap over the wall of discouragement all around us. Listen. We see way too many discouraged young people, pastors discouraged, quitting, parents quitting on their marriage, leaders quitting because of sin, young people discouraged, quitting on life, on their dreams, of their hope, closed up within the walls of discouragement. They have built themselves. And I say to you today that it's time to leap over those walls. With God's help, David said, I've leaped over walls. What walls do you have to leap over? 
What walls do you have in your life that no one else here can see? That no one else here can imagine? That no one else here knows that you have inside your heart?